Welcome to The Third One Sucks, where we rank every movie in a franchise from first to worst. I'm Dan Ellis. I'm Mark Bell. And what are we going to talk about today, Mark? Today we are talking about the Rankin-Bass Christmas specials, Frosty the Snowman and Frosty the Snowman and Frosty's Winter Wonderland. It's a double feature. Double feature! Frosty the Snowman is a 1969 animated Christmas television special produced by Rankin-Bass Productions and Mushi Productions currently distributed by Universal Television. Written by Romeo Mueller and directed by Arthur Rankin Jr. and Jules Bass, featuring the voices of Billy DeWolf as Professor Hinkle the Magician, Jackie Vernon as Frosty, and Jimmy Durante as the narrator as his final performance in a film. The special first aired on December 7th, 1969, on the CBS Television Network in the United States. Frosty's Winter Wonderland is a 1976 animated Christmas television special and a sequel to the 1969 special Frosty the Snowman, also produced by Rankin-Bass Productions. Written by Romeo Mueller and directed by Arthur Rankin Jr. and Jules Bass. Starring Jackie Vernon as the voice of Frosty, Paul Fries as Jack Frost, Shelley Winters as Crystal, and Andy Griffith as the new narrator. This special premiered on ABC on December 2nd, 1976. We're going to look first at Frosty the Snowman. So what is our fan review? Our fan review for Frosty the Snowman comes from Rachel Wagner, who says, It's just so odd, and I kind of wish it wasn't so gloomy and morose. <laughs> I'm agreeing with the first part of her statement. It's very odd. This is a Christmas special for children with bright and happy sing-along songs. Are we watching the same movie? <laughs> it is neither gloomy nor morose. I have lots of complaints to register against this beloved Christmas classic. Oh boy. But gloomy and morose are not in my listings anywhere. Whenever I pitched this to Mark, I was like, hey, we have the holidays coming up. Do you want to do a holiday special to kind of bridge the two greater series that we're working on? Yeah. And he was like, yeah, we can do that. That's a good idea. And then I was like, hey, Mark, how about Frosty the Snowman? And I found out that Mark hates Frosty the Snowman. I hate that snowman. I hate that snowman. I, and, uh, and for that reason, I'm just so excited to dig into this. <laughs> Me too. So, man, let's get into it. Let's. All right. Number one note in my notes is the best and only good thing about this film is Jimmy Durante. That's certainly a take. So I had actually forgotten that Jimmy Durante was in this. I was prepared to hate this thing from go. And then there was animated Jimmy Durante. So, you know, that was okay. So you only hated it from, like, a few minutes after Go. Yeah, yeah. Once Jimmy Durante <laughs> got done with his opening narration, basically as soon as Professor Hinkle shows up, I'm done with this thing. <laughs> and listen, I'm real lukewarm on Karen. Oh my goodness. This is the war on Christmas that I was warned about. Is <laughs> It's actually just Mark ranting about how he hates beloved Christmas classics for children. Possibly what makes this better and or worse. I'm one of those horrible, obnoxious people who enjoys Christmas movies almost indiscriminately. I like old Christmas movies. I like new Christmas movies. I watch Hallmark Christmas movies. I love Christmas movies. So that's the background of me. That's what I'm bringing to the table as we start talking about this beloved Christmas classic. As a way to kind of show the difference between the two of us, I cannot stand Hallmark Christmas movies. <laughs> And because of my illness, I live with my parents. Sure. And the, as you better believe that that shit is on TV 24-7. And 
It's the same damn movie, y'all. And I am also like the eternal pessimist. So this is a wild episode for the man who hates <laughs> Christmas movies to be like, hell yeah, Frosty the Snowman. And the man who's like, you know, I love Christmas movies and I'm an optimist and I love happy and yeah. to just hate Frosty the Snowman. We put up two Christmas trees in my house, one on each floor. That's one too many Christmas trees. <laughs> 50% of those Christmas trees could be eliminated. No. <laughs> but the one on the top floor goes to the library, so there's a Christmas How? tree with me for a month out of the year. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> okay. We'll explore more of this. We've got another Christmas episode coming up, so we'll leave a little of this on the table. Yeah, we'll spread for... that shit out like butter. <laughs> <laughs> so let's get into this particular one. Here is my first complaint we'll get into the plot but my first complaint comes before the plot even happens okay Rankin base has a lot of television specials primarily christmas ones right it, it was their yes. thing for a while you've got santa claus has come into town you've got rudolph you've got heat miser all of which i like in part because of the stories but in part because of the visuals it's a neat aesthetic they've got going over with that stop motion nonsense and then you've got frosty the snowman which is garbage quality animation and terrible character design. And also Jimmy Durante aside, the worst voice acting across the board of any of these rank and base specials. I'm looking at you, Jackie Vernon, you phoned it in. <laughs> as limited as the animation is in moments. And maybe they made some choices with character design that I wouldn't make personally. Uh, I don't, I don't hate it. I mean, it's definitely <laughs> limited TV animation, but also for the time, for like a 1969 holiday special produced in Japan, like it looks pretty good, I think. Um, <laughs> the weird discoloration around mouth flaps, when they move their mouth, you see it discolor around their mouth. That's because they just didn't color match quite properly for the, <laughs> okay. when they were animating. So it'll like flicker or like, It'll be just slightly off color whenever mouth flaps are happening. <laughs> uh, probably really rushed. Rankin and Bass was a fairly new company at the time. I mean, they, so, you know. All right. So, yeah, I don't like the animation. It does not work for me. Frosty's character design is dumb. He doesn't look Oof. like a snowman. What's that? That's not a snowman. What's going on? Oh, there? man. Hot takes. Hot takes. These takes are so <laughs> hot, they would literally kill Frosty if he got anywhere near them. <laughs> that girl Karen is wearing like a mini skirt for some reason in winter and going at, like okay. going to the North Pole in that stupid skirt. These are terribly designed characters. Yeah, Karen goes to the North Pole. It'll be fine as long as I'm home in time for dinner. Takes the train <laughs> out of town with a newly sentient snowman. Anyway, we're getting ahead of ourselves. So which version did you get? Uh because in the like the original airing, June Foray legendary voice actress and one of the most talented people to ever work in Hollywood was the vocals for Karen. And that survives in some of it, but for a lot of the re-airings and video releases, uh, Suzanne Davidson did it. I don't know why. I'm sure there's a reason, but as a longtime fan of Rocky and Boinkle, it being the first television show I ever fell in love with, even before Sesame Street. Gee, uh, Bullwinkle. So... That registers before the plot even starts. Visually, I don't like this thing. I don't like the character designs. The animation is capable. I just don't, I don't like it. <laughs> Fair enough. And we open on school with mm -hmm. our lead character, Karen, a bunch of her idiot friends, 
and a teacher who has contracted a magician whose stage name appears to be Professor Hinkle. That does strike me as odd right off the bat. I'm like, his name is Professor Hinkle, but he's a magician? <laughs> is his first name legally Professor? And what a weird choice for... And listen, I, I went to public high school. I saw all manner of absurd assemblies. So sure. I'm not going to cast a lot of shade here. That's a strange choice for Christmas party entertainment. Well, they seem to be in a very small town. Yep. Uh, in the 60s, and maybe that's all that they can afford. Uh, <laughs> you know. All right, so here comes Professor Hinkle, who is, at least in name, a magician. Mm-hmm. And in name a professor. <laughs> and in name a professor. And I suppose he's about as talented as one would presume a magician in rural 1960s America would be. Mm-hmm. He f- can't do tricks. He's bad at tricks. Yep. Although it may be because his pet rabbis, Hocus Pocus, is selling him out. My personal belief is that Hocus Pocus is undermining Hinkle at every turn. I think that's fair. I think Hocus Pocus is, and and I mean, as much as you hate this movie, Hocus Pocus might be the most charming part of Frosty the Snowman. I do like an animal sidekick. I really do. And Hocus Pocus works okay for me. He is the one who solves most of the problems while Frosty struts around being a dummy and taking credit for things. That's fair. Frosty is a literal newborn, Mark. It's to true. Be fair. It's true. Somehow has a like motor function and language skills, but is a newborn. I like to imagine that Frosty is like an ancient snow elemental. Okay. Who in eras past would have been, you know, a mighty beast summoned by like the great sorcerers of their time. Like there's crazy early man, like snow wizards scrying out and then like carving summoning circles into the ice. And here comes this, you know, crazy snow elemental. And now in 1960s America, his summoner is Professor Hinkle and he is reduced to a snowman that doesn't look like a snowman who has to sing songs with children and smoke a corncob pipe. This has me so excited. First of all, that sounds rad. (laughs) Way more rad than anything that we have watched for the show. Both released and unreleased. (laughs) Second, I cannot wait for Zack Snyder to reboot Frosty. (laughs) So, Professor Hinkle, very angry that he cannot do a magic trick, throws his hat. He's Apparently it's the hat's fault. It's a trick hat, I guess. Of course. I mean, when you're an aggro, angry man, of course you take your anger out on whatever's closest to you, and it just happens to be a hat, which has a rabbit in it. It does, yeah. He just throws that rabbit. (laughs) He tries to chuck it into a trash can. He misses. And Hocus Pocus, the rabbit, just starts making fun of Hinkle. Like, the routine initially was, here comes a magician to entertain you children with prestidigitation. Mm -hmm. It quickly becomes... Here is a rabbit to entertain you children by demeaning and insulting a grown man in front of you. I wonder if this is actually just like a backdoor pilot for a Penn and Teller origin story. (laughs) I like that. When the rabbit finishes his routine, school is dismissed. The kids go out to play. 
as they are wont to do, build a snowman. Yes, my favorite part of that sequence is just all the kids yelling, Get it, snow, 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 and it's like the same thing over and over. <laughs> yeah, snow, cool. And then you yep. get the one adorable child, and I will I will die on this hill. This child is adorable, who just pops up and throws snow everywhere and goes, Yay, snow. <laughs> Man, I'll give you that that kid is adorable. Most of these kids drive me bananas. So these kids build a snowman and have a quick conversation over what they should name the snowman. Yes. One of them suggests naming the snowman Oatmeal. Which I also think is adorable and I'm sure you hate. (laughs) (laughs) I want to know had they named the snowman Oatmeal, if it would have manifested differently. Like, does the name somehow alter the personality? Because this is a summoning. What has happened here is the hat, I presume, is a wonder. It is some kind of artifact, right? Somehow this hat is actually magic, presumably inherited down the ages and taking different forms according to the mores of society at the time. I like that you are trying to, like, construct the magic system (laughs) at work behind Frosty the Snowman. A magical item of power that is used for, for summoning would... You know, much like the TARDIS, take the shape of a thing in the time where it is in. So, of course, in the current time, wizards use top hats, taking the form of a top hat, right. The magician is inept. He doesn't have anything. I guess Karen must have some sort of latent magic whatever, so she's the summoner, puts the hat on his head. She names him. We know names have power. How this all breaks down with the sequel that we're going to get to is going to complicate some roles here, but yeah, sure, go ahead. <laughs> So, Frosty, given the name Frosty, is bereft of much of his, you know, ancient power, and is just kind of this jolly pipe-smoking... But what if they would have named him Oatmeal? What What then? What weird spirit would they have summoned with the name Oatmeal? Or worse yet, what horrifyingly racist, genocidal snowman would they have built had they named him the other suggestion, Christopher Columbus? <laughs> I mean... He is technically a white man. <laughs> it's very true. He is the whitest uh, man. <laughs> he is the whitest of men. And he has definitely come to a country that he does not originate from. It's true. <laughs> Christopher Columbus seems apt, but I definitely would be weary of any sentient being named Christopher Columbus. Yes. Even if they directed a billion dollar movie franchise. <laughs> <laughs> so... Professor Hinkle, who I guess is just loitering around the school after school lets out, mm-hmm. sees that his hat brings a snowman to life and demands that his hat be returned to him mm-hmm. because he can use this magic to become rich. I guess. I'm not sure what the plan is there. Is 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 he planning to like build an army of slave labor? Is he charging people entry to see the living snowman? Is this like a P.T. Barnum situation i'm not sure i also i also take issue early on with this movie where like does he ever actually like is he trying to get rid of the hat does the hat blow away i feel like the hat blows away at some point early on yeah he in he does get frustrated like in the classroom with hocus pocus but like yes there seems to be just like immediately the audience is supposed to be on board with this is Frosty's hat now. <laughs> this guy's a magician. You know why? Because he's a magician. 
And magicians are bad. Yep. I think if I remember correctly, Hocus Pocus rescued the hat and then got caught up in a wind gust. Hocus Pocus knows something about this hat. He does. Yeah. Maybe he is its guardian. I don't know. Perhaps. So I should have saved this all and put this in an I can fix this. This should have been my I can fix this. Oh, man, it should have. (laughs) This is regrettable that you didn't get to do an I can fix this for this. (laughs) So... Of course, the kids are not giving the hat back to life because that would destroy their newly sentient friend. Mm -hmm. And they just have a singing and dancing party instead, which is, I guess, what you would do when you raised a terrifying snow elemental if you were eight years old. They gather around him in a circle and sing a like a propaganda hymn about how much they love their brand new living abomination. Yeah, you know, they are offering words of praise and supplication to the weird ice demon they have summoned. Yes, it feels very ritualistic. (laughs) So Frosty, of course, is a snowman. He's made of snow. And Mm -hmm. as the day is growing warmer, Frosty begins to worry that he will melt. Like you do. This is the nexus of my hatred for this show. I know I've gone in on it a bunch already. This is existentially horrifying, and I hated it. It is existentially terrifying. That's why, like, there is this nugget of, like, pathos beneath this dumb special, and that is, Frosty's gonna die. We gotta get Frosty out of here so he can survive. Everybody wants to take life away from Frosty. The magician does. Just the elements do. Frosty's in a fight for survival, and these kids are here to help him. It's six minutes of idiot magicians and idiot children, and then (laughs) 16-ish minutes of existential dread while you watch a living snow being fight for its life, die, and then be resurrected by Santa Jesus. Yeah, it is a literal resurrection story. (laughs) The kids decide that the correct answer for this is to get Frosty to the North Pole, which tracks good solution, children. And to do so, because this is the 1960s, I suppose, they're going to put him on the next train to the North Pole. Fine. Children's program. Of course, there's a train to the North Pole. Whatever. I do appreciate that this is a weird sort of metaphor for man's search for immortality. Yeah, that works. Frosty is immediately confronted with the nature of his own mortality and the impending knowledge of his death, which is what being sentient means as far as I'm concerned. So got that. Valid. Valid. (laughs) And his solution is, okay, right. I'm dying. How do I not do that ever? Well, what you do is you amass extraordinary wealth. Then you open an animation studio and then you have yourself (laughs) cryogenically frozen What you do, clearly, is you ascend heavenward. You go north to where the land where you can live forever that is occupied by Santa Jesus. That's true. I like Santa Jesus. I, I do like the Santa in this show. I do. So they get on a train. They have to throw a weird parade through town. I love the traffic cops following his whistle. This is another hill I'll die on. Yeah, this is Paul Fries, who is, uh, to connect to June Foray as Karen, 
This is the voice of Boris Badenov. Ooh. All them Rocky and Bullwinkle poles. Yeah, and Mel Blanc used to refer to Paul Fries as the man of a thousand voices. That's how good Paul Fries is. Wow, that's... Wow. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the traffic cop, it's a well-delivered line, it's corny, and I actually like the animation of the whistle and sign. Something about it really, it is charming. Mm-hmm. So there are little individual spots that I like in this film. Just none of them have to do with Frosty or Karen. <laughs> All right, so they go to the train station. They do not have money. They're children in the 1960s. They're not carrying cash with them. Of course. So they sneak onto the train. Specifically onto, I think, a refrigerated train car. Yes. They sneak onto a refrigerated train car after they find out, oh, wait, we need money to buy a ticket. And right. the this that moment specifically, but also just throughout this movie, the one thing I don't like is the sound design. Ooh, that's fair. Yeah, they really just go ham with some bonkers ass noises when yeah. sometimes nothing's going on and it doesn't sync up with the animation. And <laughs> that is the one thing that I wish I could get a time machine and travel back to 1969 and fix for them. Hey, there's never a bad time for a slide whistle, my friend. I would beg to differ. <laughs> so. Just right when Frosty turns to a puddle, slide whistle. <laughs> yeah. So Karen, Hocus Pocus, and Frosty get on board the train car. Professor Hinkle, who is as dogged and competent a snowman bounty hunter as he is an incompetent magician. <laughs> yes is clinging beneath the caboose of the train, still desperate to recover his magic hat. Mm -hmm. So, we now find the inverse problem that this show started out on. Clever pivot here, because now while Frosty is very comfortable, Karen is about to die of frostbite. Yes. So the, the next stop, everybody gets out to try to find somewhere to now save Karen's life, because she has to get warm. That's true. Frostbite will set in on you very quickly. Right. I'm tracking that. They get off at a train stop. A bunch of people get on. A whole bunch of Christmas people get on. People are traveling. Mm -hmm. And somehow, in search of a warm place, brave and wise Frosty the Snowman leads Karen into the middle of the forest. Like you do. You just got off a train stop. There's clearly a town somewhere very close. She is a small, white, blonde girl in 1960s America. She will have no problem finding someone to help her. <laughs> That's also true. But nope, we're just going to wander out into the woods. And I guess build a campfire. This is one little bit of this magical movie that was meant for children. Oh no, I was very mad about that when I was four. Uh, <laughs> Most of these things that I'm spinning off are simmering fires of rage that have been boiling for 30 plus years. Oh, no, this was immensely charming to me as a child. Uh, <laughs> but then we get off into because, I mean, I was a dumb child. Anyway, uh, they get off into the middle of the forest and the the animals are having Christmas just it's in the true. middle of the forest. This is a thing that you guys may not know, that mammals will congregate, regardless of species, and build Christmas trees in forests. 
and that's because Santa visits random congregations of mammals in forests every Christmas Eve along with humans. <laughs> Again, this is all deeply irrational, and it is irrational in the way that really can only happen at that level of childhood, right? There sure. are things you love when you're a kid that you know are terrible as a grown-up, but you still love them. You fell in love with them when you were a kid. There are television yeah. properties that are straight garbage that I love for nostalgia reasons. I also hate Frosty for nostalgia reasons. It's the other <laughs> side of the coin. Does that work with the definition of nostalgia? Is there a version of nostalgia <laughs> that is hateful? There has to be, because I just, I started, I watched it when I was a kid. I immediately disliked it. I hate that smug snowman. It has just never left. And the older I get, and I realize most of it's irrational. Most of the things I've been pointing out that I don't like are dumb, but they've been in my brain since I was four. Okay, so they're in the woods. There are animals having Christmas, which is awesome. Everyone deserves Christmas. Christmas is great. To be clear, I will interject here. Everyone deserves Christmas in terms of Everyone deserves a celebration of um, the coming of the light, the survival of the winter. I do not think everyone needs to celebrate the birth of the Christ child, for instance. <laughs> no, that's exactly what you're saying. You are saying that <laughs> this is where Mark makes his heel turn and tells everybody they have to convert or die. There's a war on Christmas and everyone else but him is responsible. <laughs> Surprise, Dan. This whole thing has been a weird backdoor evangelical push for me. I've just been waiting for this moment it. to lead you back to the Lord. You, uh, you backslidden, my friend. <laughs> oh, my God. I should have seen this coming. <laughs> I can't believe you've done this. All right. So they make a fire. They make a fire. Mm -hmm. And for the Lord. Yep. <laughs> they make a burning bush. And Frosty, being brand new turns mm -hmm. to Hocus Pocus and asks, Did, what, how can we help Karen? She's going to die because I've led her into the dark forest in the middle of winter. Mm -hmm. Hocus Pocus's first suggestion, presumably because this is in fact the 1960s, is the United States Marine Corps. He went straight to the Marines. <laughs> Which I suppose, sure, it seems like maybe a cop or a firefighter, or just any adult, would probably be easier to find than the Marines. I mean, they're the world cops, so... It's true. <laughs> I mean, kind of went to a cop. They just went to, like, a super cop, but not... <laughs> not not the movie super cop. And then he suggests the president of the United States of America. Yep. That's, yep, sure does. Okay, all right, so... The Marines aren't coming. Nope. The, the president is not coming. Nope. Too busy. However, mm -hmm. Frosty and Hocus Pocus agree that Santa Claus, perhaps, is the man for the job. Yeah. I mean, in a world with rabbits with higher intelligence and sentient snow demons, then sure. sure. Yeah. Santa Jesus is totally a respectable pig. Yeah, this is the correct answer. I'm into this. Because Santa's going to show up, and he is going to be everything that's right about Christmas. And it's going to be a good movie while Santa's here. I don't know who off the top of my head does the voice actor for Santa, but they are very good. <laughs> I don't know either, actually. That's a good question. But yeah, it's, a, it's just a good Santa. It's mm -hmm. visually 
It's a classic Santa, <laughs> but the voice has that sort of richness and kindness that you want from a Santa Claus. Yes, the, it it exudes warmth. Whoever voices <laughs> the Santa. <laughs> Because he's the only competent character in this entire movie until Santa shows up, Hocus Pocus goes off to find Santa. <laughs> Unfortunately, that leaves Frosty as the sole protector and guardian of Karen. <laughs> Unfortunately for Karen. Right. Because Hinkle's here again. Yep. This guy's got the nose of a hunter. He is in the wrong profession. <laughs> he's, got a, he's got a nose all right. <laughs> He dragged a snowman through the snow. <laughs> then we find out that Frosty is the fastest belly whopper there ever was. And they like, <laughs> go, they, they make their escape and he grabs up Karen and they go like sliding through the hills. Whatever belly whopping is, they do that thing. Belly whopping is sledding for poor kids. Oh, okay. I have gone belly whopping. It is just like, I don't know. My jacket is a little bit slick. Like it's got that kind of. Mm-hmm. water-resistant material. We don't have a sled, but I bet if I just fling myself down at the right angle, I'll go sliding down that hill. We also did not have, like, sleds, because also raised poor. But we had, like, <laughs> trash can lids. That was oh, our, yeah, yeah. Those were our sleds. And, and if we were lucky enough to use them without getting in trouble for using them for that. <laughs> so at the bottom of the hill, they find... A greenhouse. For some reason, in the middle of sure. nowhere. That does annoy me. Whenever I was rewatching that, I was like, okay, so they went the opposite way of the town, into the forest, slid down a bunch of hills, and at the bottom of those hills, the opposite way of the town again, there's a greenhouse just in the yep. middle of the woods. A greenhouse for growing poinsettias, because, you know, Christmas. Yeah, I'm sure they get lots of traffic out there in the middle of nowhere. He carries Karen into... The- the greenhouse for poinsettias. I yep. love the way that Jimmy Durant, Durante, however his name is pronounced, pronounces poinsettias. All right, so Frosty goes inside because I guess he has to keep an eye on Karen. Mm-hmm. He has not been good at that so far, but whatever. Mm-hmm. And Hinkle locks them in. How? I don't know. He just slams the door on them. He just does. And they're stuck in. Because that's how doors work. You know, doors famously lock from the outside. Of a greenhouse. I worked in a greenhouse. It was my first job between the ages of like 14 and 18. Oh, that's yeah. I got locked in all kinds of times. I can't tell you the number of times an incompetent evil magician locked me in the greenhouse. It is actually a crisis that is, has been sweeping our <laughs> nation since the 90s. <laughs> now... Hocus Pocus has managed to locate Santa Claus. Mm-hmm. Again, this rabbit is super competent. It's great. I think, I think what happened with Hocus Pocus is he went to the animals and they're like, yo, when Santa comes to visit, we need Santa's help. And so Santa got to the animals and Hocus waited with the animals. And then I think they even showed this. And then Hocus Pocus is like, yo, I know American Sign Language for some reason. And we need to go save these people that are at a greenhouse, which I know for even more wild of a reason. And so Santa comes to rescue them. And then by the yeah. time they get there, they open the door. And Frosty is a puddle. And Karen is yeah. crying. Which gutted me as a child. 
But but I imagine that like Mark was just sitting like in a huffy, waiting for the Garfield <laughs> Christmas special, being like, "This is bullshit, Mom. This is bullshit." Here's my honest to goodness reaction to this scene as a child, okay. uh, and I remember it because apparently my reaction to this movie was locked in amber, and I experience it the same way every time I rewatch it. You were traumatized by Frosty the Snowman, is what you're telling me. I feel bad for Karen. Every time, like, young Mark's heart broke for poor Karen because she has been traumatized by this. I don't care yeah. about that stupid snowman. I didn't <laughs> particularly like Karen, but I felt so bad for her. That's the correct response. That means the, the special has <laughs> actually got a genuine emotional reaction out of you. So I'll take it. It is a very short-lived crisis for Karen, though, because Santa Claus has Christmas magic and Frosty was made out of Christmas snow. Not just Mm -hmm. any regular old snow, Christmas snow. Which is also apparently magic. Right. So it's going to be fine. He will come back every year. As long as the hat is there, I guess. We're going to get into the sequel soon. As far as we know, the mechanics are the hat is what gives people life. Yes. So Santa chases off mean old Professor Hinkle by threatening not to bring him Christmas presents. He also, I think, demands that Hinkle goes and writes some apology letters. A hundred zillion times. Oh, that's right. Yeah, a hundred zillion of them. A hundred zillion times he needs to write, I will not be mean to Frosty or something to that effect. And then Santa takes Karen home and Frosty goes to the North Pole, I think, to live forever. Because he has mm-hmm. died and he has now gone to heaven. Snowman heaven. Yeah. To live I mean, with snowman Jesus. You are not wrong in your deconstruction of this. Right? As like <laughs> a story about death and resurrection of a, a Christ figure. And that's kind of it. It's cool because Frosty will get to come back every year at Christmas. And I mean, that's it. And then he says, I'll be back on Christmas Day. And he rides off into thing. I'm glad that like your reaction to Frosty dying wasn't eat shit, Frosty. Take care. <laughs> no. Ugh. Because going to this, I was like, is that is that where we're going to go with this? But no, you're, you're a compassionate, caring person who probably cares a little bit too much. <laughs> I do get angry that a terrible Christmas special that I don't like and didn't <laughs> earn or deserve that emotion somehow rests it from me anyway. Uh, you are. Oh, my goodness. Mark doesn't believe in meritocracy, except for in the case of Christmas specials earning his emotion. <laughs> All right, man, that puts a cap on Frosty the Snowman. Should we talk about Frosty's Winter Wonderland? Can we please talk about Frosty's Winter Wonderland? So to lead us into it, what is our fan review for Frosty's Winter Wonderland? Our fan review for this one is from Jason G, who says, Unobjectionable. As long as you don't think too hard about things like Frosty crying until he gets a woman constructed for him to his exact specifications. (laughs) Which, I have a very small amount of history with this film, Mark. Okay. I watched the first one like crazy growing up. But this one wasn't as beloved for a lot of reasons. Uh, Even if I do like some of the characters in this one. But... In the back of my head, this was always the Frosty movie that, like, I had seen, and I know I had seen. Okay, sure. But I never saw, like, broadcast anywhere ever again. Like, Frosty Returns got put into syndication after, like, it was produced in the 90s to follow 
the original Frosty, because CBS owns the rights to broadcast both of those. And so they made their own sequel called Frosty Returns, which maybe we'll get to at some point. And it kind of was an alternate continuation of the original Frosty mythos, even though that was not a Rankin and Bass production. So that's the one that a lot of people my age who grew up in the late 80s, early 90s grew up with. But I had seen this one, and I knew it existed, and I was like, but he takes a wife. Her name is Crystal. And I know I'm not crazy, right? I'm not being gaslit (laughs) by TV stations, am I? That's a thing that exists. Yeah, it wasn't until I had grown up and the internet was a thing that I was able to go back and find it and be like, I'm not crazy. This exists. This is the thing. It didn't live up to my memories of it in the least. What our good buddy here, Jason G, says is basically how I feel through most of this. So you're right. We do have a... Into the Frostyverse scenario going on here. There's split sequels, and mm-hmm. bafflingly, this is the one I am more familiar with because we owned this on an actual honest-to-goodness VHS oh, that we purchased incredible. from a store. That is incredible, Mark. Well, again, we didn't have a lot of money growing up. Uh, uh-huh. I'd never say we were poor because we weren't. We had a house and a car, but, you know, we were on the lower end of middle class. So what happened a lot is, for instance, when I got a Nintendo, the Nintendo games that I got were the ones that were in a clearance bin that my dad found in, like, Hill's department store. Sure. And our VHS collection from when I was younger, you can probably track my dad's career progress by the quality of home movies we purchased. (laughs) Because eventually we had a nice suite of them sexy Disney clamshells. Oh, and weren't they sexy? But what happened when I was young is my dad would go into, like, IGA drugstore and buy the 99-cent sticker movie from the wire bin. Okay. So somehow we had Frosty's Winter Wonderland featuring the song Frosty the Snowman on (laughs) VHS. It does say that just right on the cover. Yeah, the cover is burned into my memory. There's a weird little triangle-shaped kid down by Frosty's foot. There totally is. <laughs> wow, that's incredible that you, Mark Bell, were like, as a child, I hate Frosty. Frosty is horrible. That your dad, while shopping at a 99-cent bin, was like, I'll get this. The kids will like this. The one thing my son hates about Christmas. Yep, without yep. even pulling up an image, I can see the cover in my head. And I know you're accurate because whenever I was pulling all the resources for this podcast episode together, I had to mm-hmm. stare at that VHS tape cover and it's 100% what you say it is. Yeah. And you want to know something? I like this one better than the first one. Whoa. Whoa. You like this movie better than the first Frosty? I do. I do. Uh, I'm delighted to get to the rankings portion because I like oh. this one more. Holy shit, Mark. <laughs> Somehow this has been my favorite episode we've done so far. <laughs> Please. I can't justify it. I have no excuse. Explain yourself. <laughs> yeah, so let's get into it. And we'll, we'll talk about it as we go through the beats. This is an actual direct sequel. Mm-hmm. Frosty comes back to the same town every year, keeping the promise that he has made, bound by the eternal Gaius of the Ice Demon to return once a year to preserve his life by fulfilling the terms of his contract. Sure. (laughs) So every time he hears 
that snow has fallen in this small town, he comes back to hang out with the kids. Not Karen. Karen's nowhere to be found. Right, yeah. Karen's gone. Presumably she's a little older, and uh, like Frosty just keeps coming back to hang out with whoever the grade school kids are in this town. I don't know. Which is really weird, but yeah. And here's the thing. We're going to take a step down almost across the board. We still got Jackie Vernon in there as Frosty the Snowman. Mm-hmm. And Andy Griffith, beloved, lots of uh, like long-term television projects. He's kind of America's uncle in his time. That's pretty accurate, yeah. But I would argue, for me, personally, as a narrator, probably a better narrator in terms of like mellifluous voice, but a step down from Jimmy Durante. Yeah, Andy Griffith is the deacon at your grandfather's church. That's the energy that Andy Griffith Very gives good. off to me. yes. And we do have Paul Freeze returning to reprise his role as Traffic Cop. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, really notably, like, it is a step down in almost everything. I mean, I think the animation's pretty much on par. But other than yep. that, the writing isn't is. I mean, the writing wasn't good in the first one, if I'm being honest. But I think it's worse than this one. It's a lot of the same recycled jokes. You know how movies are today? They were the same back in the 70s, they kids. They sure were. So Frosty comes back to town this year and Jack Frost is hanging out and he's annoyed because Frosty has stolen his horrifying ice demon thunder. (laughs) The kids all love Frosty. Poor Jack Frost, whose job it is to be the herald of Christmas. He is John the Baptist to the resurrected Frosty's Jesus. (laughs) Oh my God, Mark. Okay, (laughs) go on. Listen, it's midnight. I have lost control. I don't know what's going on. No, I'm here for it. And he, he's just jealous. He's a sad snowboy because everyone likes Frosty (laughs) and no one likes him. So his solution, I guess, is to steal the magic hat. (laughs) Under the misguided perception that this will somehow make the children love him. Because certainly that's how you get children to love you. You kill their best friends. You kill their idol, you kill their god, and you take their hat, and you wear it as a token of your victory, your conquest of Dayside. (laughs) That's how you make friends, kids. Right, yeah. Kill gods, takes hats. uh, (laughs) But instead, he steals a horse's hat? Yeah, he sure does. Because he's Jack Frost, he can command the winter winds, that's what he does, you know. He nips Uh at toes and he commands winds. Mm-hmm. He's got some cool powers that we don't really get to see used in this movie, other than, like, he freezes a whole tree, and I'm like, that's dope. Ice magic's dope. Can I just make an aside here to say, ice magic's dope. Why don't more series do this? Even, like, things that focus on elemental magic stuff, like, they completely don't pay attention to ice shit. It's just so dope. Maybe you have stumbled onto the actual secret for why Frozen was Disney's most triumphant film of its era. That must be it, because so many people were like, I'm so sick and tired of people neglecting bomb-ass ice magic. Right. You have stumbled, in fact, onto the reason I like this movie slightly more, even though it is arguably a far worse movie, mm-hmm. is Paul Freeze as Jack Frost is great. He is really good as Jack Frost. That is my favorite he... part about this. Yeah, me too. And I so in the first movie, Hocus Pocus is the one element that I like. And I like Jack Frost more than Hocus Pocus, so I like this movie better. <laughs> Flawless logic. Yeah, so he, he blows a horse's hat off of his head and steals it and runs away. Mm-hmm. I like Jack Frost. He's not an intelligent boy. 
He's not, but he's got his charms to him. Horses apparently have hats. That's apparently a thing that I wasn't yeah. aware of. And we're not going to see Jack for a little bit because we're going to get into Frosty's bachelor troubles. While watching this, making mental notes, I thought, is Frosty an incel? <laughs> yeah. You might be. You feel that uncomfortable tension, listener? <laughs> I feel it now, just recalling it. Yeah. So, Frosty is going to cry alone at night because he is single. And I don't judge Frosty for that. If what you want out of life is to find a life partner and, you know, you've been around for a while and mm-hmm. the years keep passing by and you're not finding a partner, sure. I'm sure many people cry into their pillows at night because romance isn't working out for them. Yes, and loneliness is a horrible, crushing like feeling and I don't wish it on anybody. And I'm not undermining yeah. that. Right. But what is weird is when that manifests itself into guilting your friends into finding you a romantic partner. And their children, by the way. Yes. Not just finding a romantic partner, Mark, but as our good buddy Jason G says, crafting like a woman to their exact specifications. Yes. And this was very uncomfortable to me upon rewatch, where they're like, she needs to be no taller than this. She needs to have a fat ass. And, yep. <laughs> oh, it got real weird there for a bit. Yeah, Frosty's got a real type. Yeah, so, like, he orders a sex doll that his these children built for him, ostensibly. Frosty needs to fuck. <laughs> and so he has yep. these children craft him a sex doll. Man, this is our most blue episode probably so far. It sure is. <laughs> Watch the special, y'all. It's weird. Well, I mean, in another context... <laughs> Frosty the Snowman, the first of his species, the first male uh-huh. of his species, looks around at all of his friends, the many animals that he has, the snow world over which he has dominion, mm-hmm. and he wants a companion and help me, and so he turns to his creator. Oh, God damn it! you brought it back to an Adam and Eve parable. <laughs> Mark, I knew you were going to do it. I knew you, when you started talking, I was like, God damn it, Mark. But you're not wrong. You, yep. you are absolutely not wrong. He turns to his creator and says, I'm lonely. Make me a wife. <laughs> yep. Oh, God damn it, Mark. <laughs> so the problem, of course, is first in finding her a name. Uh-huh. They come up with some more creative names for her than they did for Frosty. <laughs> they, they do. Cornflakes? Cornflakes, Ermintrude, Minnie-ha-ha. Minnie-ha-ha. Oh, God, I wish her name was Minnie-ha-ha. Definitely sounds like a rich southern man's racehorse. <laughs> Coming around a town, we got Minnie-ha-ha in the lead. <laughs> but they settle on Crystal because, you know, snow, I mm-hmm. guess. The problem, of sure. course, is that she is not alive. Which yep, is unsettling. It is. They try out the, uh, what's that thing called? The hat that ties under your chin. Uh, I, it's like a bonnet. They say, well, you know, a hat brought Frosty to life, so maybe a, a horse's bonnet, because horses still wear hats here. Yeah. 
They took both of those horses' hats. Those horses did not get a say in any of this. They did, yeah. Horses are going to have cold heads now. Way to go, you jerks. (laughs) So while they're sort of trying to figure out how to bring life to Crystal, Mm -hmm. Jack, off wherever he was that he ran to, realizes that he has stolen the wrong hat. Yep. And blames it on Frosty and swears eternal vengeance on him. Jack Frost is so fun. And listen, it's Paul Freeze. Paul Freeze is doing the voice of Jack Frost. He's mm-hmm. doing great. He has made a real choice in how he is bringing Jack Frost <laughs> to life, and I love it. He is 100% committed to the choice he made. He sure is. He is, given this stupid snow demon, the most pathos that he can communicate. Is Jack Frost here, Satan? He's kind of the prince of the air. I think that tracks. We're just trying to cram Christian symbolism into the thing, <laughs> as we so clearly are at this point. Oh, yeah. Does that make Jasper Satan? Listen, I mean, they're going to call the Bible the good book here in a couple of minutes. It's not oh, just yep. me who's, who's desperately cramming Christian symbolism into a clearly magic-laden, maybe demonic tale. They have set foot in the territory of the Lord by creating life. Like They have, yeah. You, you're not supposed to do that. I, <laughs> I have it on good authority that you're not supposed to do that, or we would have better <laughs> stem cell research right now. So, he, Jack Frost, is out to get Frosty again. Mm-hmm. And we cut back to Frosty, mournful over the state of his beloved who he hasn't met but is definitely in love with this is where it gets a little incelly i think yeah it's it's weird it's just really weird y'all it's hard to put into words how weird it is it is and he brings her a bouquet of like ice flowers i think uh-huh yep he does that there's like snow flowers of which is a thing i guess exists in this universe yep and because it is a gift of pure love, uh-huh. that is what brings her to life. But how, what does she do upon being brought to life, Mark? You know, she delivers Frosty's trademark catchphrase. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. <laughs> After that, what does she do, Mark? I'll tell you what she does. She goes... I was just born, and I don't know anything, but I love you and I want to marry you because you gave me flowers. Yeah, they absolutely go for a frolic in the snow, which is, I mean, it's G-rated because it's a frolic, but we know what that's Uh supposed to represent. We know what frolic means. Ah, you're not fooling anybody, Crystal. This destroys the mythology of the hat. Mm Mm-hmm. Although I suppose it doesn't. The hat still functions as it's supposed to. It introduces an additional mythology. It kind of tells us that perhaps it wasn't the hat itself that brought Frosty to life, but the love the children had for Frosty. Yes, that is, I think, a viable interpretation. I am going to continue on my path of this being like an ancient shamanic snow rite that was passed down from sorcerer Uh to sorcerer across the millennia. You don't want to unravel your headcanon this late. No, I like it. So it makes sense. Of course, the (laughs) snow demon would have the power and ability to create more of his own kind. He's got to conquer the world or whatever. I just want, I like it. So it makes sense on a bumper sticker. 
to explain yep. so much of our current day electoral politics. Hey, I'm a middle-aged white guy. I'm allowed to just declare my opinion and say that it makes sense. It's a class skill. You're right. A literal class skill. <laughs> <laughs> it's a racial bonus. Is that a better joke? In this case, they seem to be entwined. <laughs> All right. So they go out for a frolic and Jack Frost again summons the power of the wind to knock Frosty's hat off of his head. Mm-hmm. Which makes Frosty inert again. He loses his life force. And then Jack Frost shows up and just, like, dunks all over Frosty's wife. (laughs) He totally does. (laughs) But Crystal has learned the truth of life-giving magic way quicker than Frosty did because she just, you know, gives him a gift of love and kisses him and he's back again. Yep. Like, I got you a corsage for my husband on our wedding day. Yep. My husband that I just met and was created for... Guys, I know this is a 70s television program for children, but Frosty's wife exists strictly, like, as an object of desire and vector, like, for emotional labor. That's all she's here for. Well, here's, it's 1960, 1976. Mm-hmm. What do we need to teach good American children? What is the purpose in life? You have been given life. You have mm-hmm. found your labor. You know where you're supposed to work. You've got your job. You're living at the North Pole, entertaining children in this case. You're yep. born. You get a job. You find yep. a spouse. That's what you do. That's what makes you a good, red-blooded American serving God, flag, and country. Yes. USA. USA. So Frosty's just out here living the American dream. And if you're a woman, you were created specifically to please a man. That's apparently what you exist for. (laughs) I hate it, Mark. Go on. Uh, All right. So Frosty and Crystal now just throw themselves a wedding party. They sure do. And then they go to a human priest or parson, specifically a parson named Parson Parson Brown. Brown. It's a nice little name check there. They go to Parson Brown. They really did construct this whole thing around that song. <laughs> they sure did. Not only is the Parsons like, I can't do that. That would be against ethics. I don't know. For some reason, he can't marry two snowmen, which is... Nope. He doesn't have dominion over snow people. I guess. What? Anyway. <laughs> so they have to build a snowman, Parson, bring him to life. They're just bringing life into like existence willy-nilly now. Like, we've gone off the damn rails. Yep, we sure have. We can just create life. Children in this universe should just create life whenever they want. Years from now, there's going to be the Great Snowman War. And it's just going to be, well, not a bloodbath because they don't have blood, but shit gets real soggy. And they create a snowman parson, also named Parson Brown. In the Great forthcoming snowman wars of course thus is fulfilled and satisfied the prophecy of the snow demon like that's the whole purpose of all of this oh okay okay mark i hate this he just had to survive (laughs) he has been on the path of world domination from Uh day one sure he just had to get through this to get there i see parson brown builds a snow parson presumably parson white I think they literally call him Parson Brown. I think it's just another snowman named Parson Brown. Because then they play the song. <laughs> we, in the yep, meadow, we yep. can build a snowman and pretend that he is Parson Brown. Like, I... Yeah. This is weird, Mark. This is real weird. And, you know, just like the song says, then uh-huh. use the 
holy bible for profane magics to usurp the role of god of course (laughs) (laughs) and yeah we we bring him to life with the bible and uh, marry a couple of snowmen i guess they bring him to life with the bible which is oh that's a choice And Jack Frost gets to be the best man. And man, all he wanted was someone to be his friend. Yeah, that's all Jack Frost wanted. Yeah, turns out a lot of times when people lash out in anger, it's because they are alone. And as we have aforementioned, loneliness really sucks. Mark, hurt people hurt people. (laughs) On the note of this Winter Wonderland song and cramming everything around the song. Yep. I hate the music in this movie. I, yeah, it's not good. I have a visceral reaction to whenever Frosty is on a lake and they're like, making a figure nine? Oh, it's a nine, guys. Frosty can't count because he's a big, dumb, stupid fucking snowman. Look at this big dummy with his dumb hat. Uh, or like whenever they're doing like Frosty and Crystal. I hate it. I hate it, Mark. I Oh, yeah. For every part of you that is upset about that first movie, my nostalgia for that specific song, even though I have no, like, loving attachment to it, I hear it being, like, twisted and contorted in that way to fit the narrative of this movie, and it just gets under my skin in a way that I can't quite explain. Winter Wonderland is inexplicably a Christmas classic. I don't think it really rates particularly well against the rest of its canon, but mm-hmm. for some reason it's beloved. And so you take a song that I already don't particularly like, and then like, hey, you know what would be better if we made it even more dumb? Yeah, let's just make it more dumb, which is my, <laughs> I mean, that's honestly my approach to most things. Just make it more dumb. <laughs> if you've listened to this podcast this far, you know that my humor is make it more dumb. Yep. But it does not work for me in this at all. And I just end up being frustrated that the songs are being butchered and that, a lot of the time it's Andy Griffith singing it and he's just, he's trying to sell it, but like he's trying to sell the dumbest shit. (laughs) Yeah. I don't like it y'all. I'm just trying to find new ways to say I don't like it. So everyone's happy. Frosty, Crystal and Jack are all going to hang out for, you know, the whole winter. They're going to get to play with the kids. It's going to be great. But then of course it's going to warm up again and they're going to have to go. Mm -hmm. And Frosty and Crystal Frosty, at least, understands this. Jack Frost is not on board. He has friends for the first time ever, and he does not want it to end. Yeah, they had to cram that sort of, like, existential undercurrent into this one, didn't they? All right, so let's wrap this up. So, of course, Parson Brown shows up to say, hey, we can't have winter forever because, you know, we need leaves and flowers and such. The planet needs to get on doing its thing. You're literally... People are sweating to death on the other side of the world right now, Jack. What the fuck are you doing? Yeah, in 1976, they understood, I guess, that it was important for the health of the planet to have a proper climate cycle. Crazy. It's almost like changing climates (laughs) would be bad for the environment and the people who rely on them. (laughs) So they're all going to go home. They're going to go say goodbye to all their pals first. Mm Mm-hmm. They're going to trick that poor old traffic cop into swallowing his whistle again. Yep. It doesn't work as well for me in this movie. But again, by this point, I'm kind of fed up with this movie. I just like the notion that that traffic cop is eternally surprised. Like, just everything is surprising to that man. And he can't help but do, like, a crazy spit take all the time. 
He was totally fine with the fact that Frosty was, like, alive at this point. He's like, yep, that's Frosty. Good old Frosty doing that thing. Yep. Frosty. And then, like, this is my wife, Crystal. And then they walk off and he's like, Lady Snowman? (laughs) In my video games and comic books? (laughs) No, they... It gets weird. So they hop on, you know, the train to the North Pole. Uh That's how you get back. And winter goes away, spring comes back, and the narrator says... Hey, it's cool because you've got memories of it, and memories are a thing that won't die. This is a lesson that tracks with me. It's badly mm-hmm. delivered, but the notion that, like, yeah, you you can't make the good thing last forever. Mm-hmm. Live in the moment while it's happening, and respect that you will have a memory of it that you can you can hold on to. That's fair. That is a great moral that I wish came from a better movie. <laughs> And that's basically the end of the movie. The narrator wishes everyone, like, a wonderful winter? Something like that? And, yeah. That's the end. That's all. It feels like we got to the end when Jack Frost got to be the best man. Then we tack on an extra bit. Like, oh, no, this movie's still happening. And then it ends very abruptly. They're trying to do two movies here, which is what frustrates me, especially in, like, a 30-minute runtime. Is they're trying to do a story about Jack Frost trying to find an Ursot family of some sort. Sure. Yep. And we're also trying to do that same movie with Frosty where Frosty needs to find his family. And they don't marry those two ideas very well. It feels like two different movies happening, like, interspersed with each other. Absolutely. I really like the Jack Frost story. I like the Jack Frost character. I -hmm. like the moral lesson that he's learning. That all works for me. The entire, everything about Frosty in this movie, maybe because I hate Frosty, is terrible. (laughs) But the Jack Frost portion of it, I like. Oh, we should note, Mm -hmm. I wanted to mention this when Crystal first came to life, uh, and I completely forgot about it. Crystal is voiced by Shelley Winters. Yes. Who was an actor of incredible talent in her time, but for me... Most notably was uh, Mother Gogan in Pete's Dragon. Oh, okay. All right, so I guess we have to rank them. We sort of tipped our hats already, I suppose. But yeah, I'm going to go out on a long, lonely, and very shaky limb and say that Frosty's (laughs) Winter Wonderland is number one for me and Frosty the Snowman is number two. My God. I'm sorry. (laughs) Listener, look, I tried. I'm sorry. I really tried here. And I want you to know that I'm in your corner. But for me, the ranking has to go objectively. Objectively. (laughs) Frosty the Snowman at number one. Frosty's Winter Wonderland at number two. (laughs) Oh, man. We've got one more, at least one more of these depending on what we decide to do with the Frostyverse to watch. What are we talking about next? Well, next time, we're going to be shifting gears on our Rankin and Bass tour de force to Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and Rudolph's Shiny New Year for another double feature. The Third One Sucks is a Retrograde Orbit radio production. If you like the show, make sure to rate and review it on your podcast platform of choice. It really helps us out. Follow us on Twitter at the Third One Sucks or email us at the Third One Sucks at gmail.com, where we can chat about episodes and take your suggestions on what you would like us to cover in the future. That's the the number three RD1Sucks at gmail.com. 
If you aren't already tired of our voices, you can check out our other projects, including Mindful Self-Indulgence, where Dan interviews folks about the media that has most impacted their lives, and Mount Olympus, where Mark and a panel of friends watches and reviews the Hercules and Xena television franchises, along with the rest of the Retrograde Orbit Radio family of podcasts at RetrogradeOrbitRadio.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again in the sequel.